This is the Mount Carmel Christian Church Podcast. Today, student minister Aaron Adams will be teaching the message. Hey, Mount Carmel friends, family, community, and neighbors. I have to be honest with you. I've pretty much forgotten at this point how long it's been since we have been in the same building together for a service. But you know what? It doesn't really matter because you get to join me in my house today and I get to join you at your house or wherever you've chosen to join us from. So we've been in a series called Seven Things Kids Need to Hear for the last couple weeks. And it's funny because we have planned this series well before social distancing and stay-at-home orders and before things began to look a whole lot different than they had. And so this series has kind of been timely for me because for me, like many others, I've been working at home more often, so I've been around my family even more than I had been previously. And so I've been reflecting on my relationship with my kids, my job as, as a dad and a parent, um, and I'm sure many of you have been as well. But one other thing I've been doing through this series is I've also been reflecting on my own childhood and the struggles I've had uh, growing up, the hard things about growing up, but also some of the, the good things, the amazing things, the awesome things about growing up. And both of those have, have been many. And one of the things about me is I love sports. Uh, I love sports through and through. If you, if you know me well, then you know I am passionate about the things that I love. And one of those things is sports. So I'm a Cincinnati Bengals fan. I know, I know, I know. I'm also a Green Bay Packers fan. Uh, go Pack Go. I can't really tell you why, so really don't ask me why. I'm a Cincinnati Reds fan, but man, I remember watching my teams growing up, and I'm just a diehard fan. And when they would lose, especially on those heartbreaking losses, man, I would, I would be crying. Just ask my parents about that. But I loved playing sports, whether that was football, baseball, soccer, or anything else. And more than uh, what I can remember, more than just the outcomes of the games or the outcomes of specific plays, I, I remember my parents. I remember my parents hauling me to and from all of those sporting events and all of those practices, whether that was in the scorching heat of the summer or the bitter, cold, rainy fall soccer games. I remember my parents be there, being there. And I remember this like yesterday, like I'm getting older now, 31, all right, so my back's starting to hurt a little bit, but I remember my younger years, and specifically I remember my dad, and I remember playing these games, and I remember being able to look, look off into, uh, onto the sidelines or into the bleachers and being able to spot my parents. And my dad had this sign for my siblings and I, and I want to share that with you this morning. So my, my dad had this sign, and I'm doing the elementary Aaron version of this sign, but it looks something kind of like this. Now, he could do it a whole lot better, and I'm sure it has some actual ties to sign language, but this is the Aaron elementary um, signal. And my dad, I would catch my dad doing this all the times, hundreds if not thousands of times throughout my childhood. And what it, what it meant was, I love you, and I'm proud of you. And so I would be able to be running on the field. I could be on first base. I could be in center field. I could be in a soccer game. And I could look over and I could catch my parents. And so often I would see my dad hold up this sign. And so often I would give him that sign back. And it meant, I love you and I'm proud of you. 
I'm proud of you is something that we believe is so important for our kids to hear, whether that's coming from a parent, a grandparent, an aunt, an uncle, or simply somebody who cares uh, about our younger generations. If you're like me, you probably remember when somebody has told you that they were proud of you when you were younger, or maybe even today, and I'm sure you remember it, because when somebody communicates that they're proud of us, it does something for us internally. When someone communicates they're proud of us, it, it, it lets us know that somebody sees us, they believe in us, they're cheering us on, they're supporting us, and they're in our proverbial corner. I'm proud of you. And we see instances like this in Scripture. And so we're going to look at uh, the Gospel of Matthew this morning. And the Gospels are interesting because in the first couple chapters of the Gospel of Matthew, we have the birth story of Jesus, you know, with Mary and Joseph. But then we don't have a whole lot of uh, the life of Jesus when it comes to his childhood, his teenage years, and his young adult years. And then we pick up in chapter 3, and Jesus is about to head out uh, into his earthly ministry. Like, things are going to get a lot more active, uh, so to speak. And before a lot of the teaching would happen, before many of the miracles would happen, Jesus set out to be baptized. And this is a, this is a big moment. Now, Jesus was spotless, meaning we believe that Jesus lived his life without sin. And so Jesus wasn't um, being baptized for the forgiveness of his sin. Rather, he was being baptized in submission to the will of God. Essentially, by Jesus being baptized, he was saying, I want to live my life in a way that is pleasing to God. I want to live my life out um, in a way that God would have me live my life. So this was a big moment. Now, Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully human, which means Jesus experienced the highs and lows, um, just like we do. Jesus experienced the ebbs and flows of life. Jesus experienced anger. Jesus experienced happiness and joy. And Jesus very much had the ability to do wrong. He could face temptation, and we see that clearly uh, lined out in Scripture. And so Jesus had to stand up against that. And so this moment of baptism is a big deal. And so Jesus asks a man by the name of John the Baptist to baptize him. And John the Baptist, probably like many of us, is kind of like, uh, I'm not sure uh, about that, uh, Jesus. I'm not worthy of that. I feel like it really should be the other way around. I should be, or you should be the one to baptize me. And so he's like, Jesus, are you sure this is right? And Jesus is like, no, this is, this is right. And so Jesus is, in fact, baptized. And at this moment, the heavens open up and the Spirit of God comes down on Jesus. It was a moment of anointing. It was a moment of sending out. Uh, it was a moment um, sending Jesus out to fulfill the mission to save humanity. This is a big deal. But what I want to focus on is a moment that happens in uh, verse 17, Matthew chapter 3, verse 17. And after Jesus is baptized, after the Spirit of God comes down on Jesus, this is what it says. And this is God speaking to Jesus. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love, with him I am well pleased. See, I believe that God knew every moment that was going to happen in the life of Jesus. I believe God knew of every teaching, of every miracle, of every high and every low, 
in the life of Jesus. Yet Jesus still needed that extra empowerment. Jesus still needed that extra encouragement from God. Now, if God wouldn't have encouraged Jesus, if God in that moment wouldn't have said, that's my son, and I love him, and I'm proud of him, would that have changed the outcome? Would that have meant that Jesus wouldn't have gone on to lead and to teach and to love and to save humanity and die on the cross? Probably not. You know, I, I, I can't go that far because I don't really know. But my guess is it wouldn't have changed the outcome. But it's in Scripture for a reason because it's important. Because Jesus needed that encouragement. Jesus needed that empowerment. And it was a moment where God was saying, I see you. I am proud of you. I love you. I believe in you. I'm cheering you on. And I believe it helped push Jesus towards what was next. And then a few chapters later, Matthew chapter 8. We have a a story, and it's not uh, a a father and a son. It's not even a story of a a parent uh, and a child, at least not in the biological sense. But it's a moment that I believe is probably pretty transformational for this person. And so the scene is the city of Capernaum. Now, Capernaum was essentially the hub for Jesus. It was his home base. And so Jesus was pretty familiar with Capernaum, and the people of Capernaum would have been pretty familiar with Jesus. Now, Capernaum would have been your hustle and bustle kind of place. It essentially was a main thoroughfare. Essentially, it was a main highway to get from point A to point B. You traveled through Capernaum. And so if you traded goods, you probably went through Capernaum on your way. Um, If you were in the military, there was probably a heavy military presence in Capernaum. The military would often travel through Capernaum. And so there was a lot of people, a lot of different things happening. And Jesus finds himself in Capernaum. And a centurion, yes, a Roman military official, this centurion probably had, you know, a hundred or so soldiers under his command, comes to Jesus and he says this. It's in Matthew chapter 8. And he says, Lord, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. So this is a Roman military official that approaches Jesus. Now, here's the thing to know. Romans and Jews, they didn't get along. There was, there was tension there. Um, they didn't carry the same viewpoints. They certainly didn't carry uh, the same political viewpoints. But we're led to believe that this centurion was a pretty decent guy, uh, that he cared about his fellow man. I mean, Honestly, this centurion cared about Jews as well. He had a good relationship with them. But this Roman centurion approaches Jesus and says, I have a servant. He's lying at home. He's paralyzed and he's suffering greatly. And so Jesus simply asked, well, shall I come and heal him? And the Roman centurion replies, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. Now, that centurion replies, probably like most of us would. Now, this is the Aaron translation, but he's probably thinking, you know, I'm not worthy of having Jesus come over. I haven't vacuumed. I haven't dusted. Uh, The kids are probably running around the house like maniacs. I don't have food ready. And so you're kind of like, well, are, are you, do you want Jesus to come over? Do you want Jesus to heal this man? Because most people felt like, well, I've got to have Jesus come close to me. 
I've got to have Jesus come close to my family members so I can heal them. Others felt like if I could touch Jesus, if I could reach out and touch Jesus, then I would be healed. But this Roman centurion was saying, no, Jesus, <coughs> excuse me, Jesus, I believe if you say the word right here, right now, my, my servant will be healed. He'll be relieved of his suffering. Like This is a big deal. This is a Roman military official. This is a Gentile, meaning he's not from the Jewish background. He's not from the Jewish heritage saying, now, Jesus, I believe that you can just say the word and it will be done. And this is what I love. This is what I love next. Verse 10, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Like this is a big deal. All of the disciples are there. All of the people that have uh, followed Jesus, um, they're there and they hear Jesus say this. And they're like, Jesus is like, man, I've not seen anybody in all of Israel. It's a huge place with such great faith as this Roman soldier, as this Roman centurion. If you're the disciples, you're kind of like, what about me? Not me. <coughs> and that's a huge deal. Now, I don't know uh, what happened in the rest of the, the story of that centurion. If you were wondering, Jesus did, in fact, heal that servant. But I bet you that centurion never forgot that moment with Jesus. Because what Jesus did was he empowered that centurion. He said, man, that's amazing. I am proud of you for the faith that you carry. I bet that pushed that centurion on towards greater faith. And I told you that story of my dad and uh, that, that kind of signal he had for me. And my dad would do that signal, you know, I'd steal a base, score a run, save a goal. You know, my dad wanted me to do well in sports, certainly. But you know what I remember even more than in those moments, stealing a base, scoring a run, getting a hit, was that I could have been doing absolutely nothing. I could have been standing in the field, picking dandelions for all I know, and I could look over and I could find my dad holding that up because my dad just loved being there. My dad was just proud that I was out there. My dad was proud that he just got to watch me. And he still communicates that to me to this day. You know, because there's a difference between being proud of our kids for their accomplishments than being proud of our kids for who they are and who they are becoming. And I think both of those are extremely important. I think we should be proud of our kids when, when they accomplish a task or a goal. You know, I have two boys. Cameron, my five-year-old, is in that preschool kindergarten mindset. He's beginning to sound out words and write letters, and I love uh, to see his brain at work. I love to see the creativity of him right now. And I'm proud of him when he is doing that, when he's writing things and sounding out things. It's amazing. And my uh, recently turned three-year-old Cole, and you know, potty training is no joke. And uh, Cole picked it up pretty quickly, and it's awesome. And I'm proud of him for those things. But even more than that, I want my boys to know that I am proud of them for who they are and for who they are becoming. And I'm proud of them because I believe that they are God's gift to me. 
and that I am proud of them because I just get to be their dad. I'm proud of them that I just get to be a part of it and I just get to watch them. You know, God communicated to Jesus that he was proud of him. He said, I love you, I see you, and I'm well pleased with you. I'm proud of you in the moment of baptism. Jesus was proud of the act of baptism, but also God was proud of his son, Jesus, for who he was and who he was becoming and for what he would go and do. And Jesus, while it wasn't um, a biological parent, certainly it was a spiritual parent, Jesus was proud of the centurion for who he was, for his great faith. And by communicating and saying and showing that we are proud of our children or our grandchildren, our, our nieces and nephews, or simply if we're an advocate for the next generation, I believe we should all be advocates for the next generation. When we communicate and show that we are proud of our, our children, we begin to build a foundation of empowerment. Now, every time that we communicate that we're proud of our kids, is that gonna lead to a life-changing, transformational moment? Certainly not. But over time, I believe we'll begin to build a foundation that our children can hang on to, that they can hold on to, that they have hope in when things get tough. And that's my prayer for me and my wife, that we communicate to our kids that we're proud of them for the things they do, uh, the tasks that they complete, the goals they accomplish, but maybe even more so that we are proud of them for who they are and who they're becoming. And that's my prayer for you as well, that we communicate to our children, our grandchildren, that we see them, we love them, we're proud of them, we're cheering them on, and that leads to uh, an amazing foundation for our children. So let me pray. God, I love you. I thank you for our church. I thank you for our community. I thank you for our children because they are um, your gift to us. And uh, parenting is not easy. I can be the first one to tell you that. And there are many mistakes that I've made. But God, I pray that um, me and my friends, our church, our community can be good at loving our children at supporting our children, letting our children know that we are proud of them, not only for the things that they accomplish, but for who they are. God, I pray that pushes them towards greater faith. We love you, Lord. It's your name I pray. Amen. You can find out more about us on the web at mtcarmelchurch.org.